Well, good morning, everyone. We're going to get started here. Thanks for being on time. You know, um, years ago I heard this question asked. If Jesus came today, if he visited today, who would recognize him? Would we be the ones that would recognize him? Would we see him? This morning, in when we were in prayer, uh, I was thinking about when uh, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple. Thousands of people going through that temple every day, all doing religious service, all presumably there for the same reasons, but two of them, Anna and Simeon, were the only ones to recognize Jesus. How did they do that? How was it that they saw who he was? There's always a minority of people who recognize who Jesus really is. So I, my prayer is this. I want to be like Simeon and Anna. I want to be the one that's not caught, caught unaware. You know, it always seems when revival comes or when Jesus appears in a culture that it catches everyone unawares. It's, it's a suddenly, suddenly this thing happened. Except it's not always suddenly to everybody. To, to Simeon and Anna, they'd spent their lives anticipating Jesus coming. And even though he appeared in a moment, they expected it all along and they were looking. And so I want to be a part of them, that company, that small company that's saying, Lord, I want to align with you so that when you appear, in whatever form you appear, I know who you are. I recognize this is you. This is your spirit. Gordon was just saying to me afterwards, he said, so, you know, Abraham, how did Abraham know that Melchizedek was special? How did, he, how did he see him as unique from every other king and priest? I mean, there were so many like him in that day. Well, the same way that people did and did not recognize Jesus, Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, those who wish to do the will of the Father will know who I am. Well, how will they know? They will just know who I am. So, Father, we pray that you would free us from the confusion that's in the world today where people are not sure about this or that. They're not sure about life and death. They're not sure about truth and wickedness. But, Father, there is a way that seems right to a man, but there's a way that's right to you. And, Father, I pray that you would... Fix in us that mark. Fix in us that standard. Fix in us that realization, that knowledge of who you are. So that when we look out, when we see you moving on this person, in this place, over here, over there, we'll know if it's you. Can you say amen? Let's rise up and let's begin to worship him because... What worship is, is a cry to say, God, make me like you, change me, align me to you. Father, we want to be able to worship you with all of our hearts, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, to love you, Lord, 
as you deserve to be loved, to, to hallow you as you deserve to be hallowed. Holy Spirit, we draw near to you. Let's continue to sing this. One of the messages of Jesus is when the Son of Man came, the heir, the response of the rebellious is we will not have this man to reign over us. We come in the opposite spirit and say, we want to be ruled by you, Jesus. Come and reign, come and reign over, over me. Come reign over me. One of the things that God is doing is he's bringing a deep cry out of us. Because after you've been coming to church for a while and, you know, you, you've, you've entered into those superficial expressions of what it means to be a Christian, then you start to realize, like Paul wrote in Romans, that there's something inside of you that is contrary to the Spirit of God, and something inside of you, out of, deep out of your spirit, begins to say, God, rain, 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 rain over me, rain over this thing. I, I find a law working in my members, something inside of me, and even though with my mind I, I, want, I, I want to be aligned with you, it seems like I can't. Reign over me. Reign over me. It's like the, the man who's, who, uh, whose son was caught by a demon and, and, and Jesus asked him, Do you believe? He says, Yes, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because he recognized that he wanted to believe, but there's something contrary to belief inside of him that needed to be shifted, that needed to be conquered, that needed to be arrested. And many of us are in the throes of that deep, deep stirring where God is uncovering the deep things, the hidden heart motives of our life. And we, we are coming today with no illusions and we're saying, God, reign. Reign over me. Reign over me. Not my will but yours, not my will, but yours. We give our hearts to you today. Jesus, we say, come and reign. You know what lies in the dark. Nothing is hid from your eyes. Your eyes are like lasers, piercing, penetrating to the depths, to the depths, to the depths of who we are. We say we want to come before you, before your gaze, before the fiery eyes of God. We say, come and uncover us. Come and show us. Unclothe us that we might be further clothed. 
come and make us naked that we might be truly clothed. That the hidden things be manifested in this land, in our hearts, in your church. Oh, God, rain. Rain. So, Father, we pray that we could come to that place of completeness of rest. Rest where we're not wrestling constantly against desires that are contrary to your heart. But, Lord, where transformation has been complete, where we are aligned with you, where we are changed. Father, this is our prayer. This is our desire. In Jesus' name. Now, we are all, let me share this, we are all on a journey towards being transformed into His image. And I remember years ago, as I was beginning this, this deeper part of my journey, when I was realizing that despite my overt passions, there were, alongside them, there was these other motives, these other desires that were self-based, and they were far more real than I understood. But I remember a, a friend of mine, a significant spiritual leader, he, he had shared how he, he realized there was this contradiction in Christianity and in the church where people didn't seem to understand what it was God was after. And he said they were walking down the road and they were window shopping and just looking in, and, and then suddenly his friend began to feel guilty for wanting some of the things that were in the window. And, and he began to sort of berate himself for even wanting those things. And, and you know, sort of, and, and, and uh, his friend thought, is this what it is? Is this, is this the, our existence is always feeling guilty about wanting something that it, we don't have? Or, or, you know, always, and this is, I, this is, so often what we do is we're always trying to suppress our genuine desires in favor of desires which we know to be right but which we don't possess. Is that really what Christianity is? It is not. It is a transformation of desires. It is, it is being in His presence. Drawing. This is why we draw near Him. Not because we are aligned with Him but because we need to be aligned with Him. But yet, the more we are aligned with Him, the more we know we need to be aligned with Him, and the more we desire Him because we know the only way to be aligned is to be in His presence. It means getting past the shame of feeling bad about yourself because you aren't as aligned as you thought you were, and just saying, I'm coming anyway because I know He loves me. I know he's, a, he's for me, and I know the answer to the alignment of my life. And I, oh, God, how come I don't want to pray, Lord? We're not going to sit here beating ourselves up because, oh, I don't want to read the Word. I don't want to pray. We're going to say, God, align me. Lord, there's something. There are desires in me that are contrary to the desires I know I should have. I'm not going to live in guilt, beating myself up. That I, I'm just going to say, Lord, align me. I'm drawing near and say, rule over me. Change me. The truth will set you free. But we live in that no man's land so often, just feeling bad 
that we're not what we ought to be. And always, always trying to resist the notion that we're not what we ought to be. Instead of just embracing it fully. What did Jesus say? He said, when your accuser brings you along the way, agree with him. Don't spend all your time fighting. Oh, no, that's not true. I'm not like that. No, I am like that. So what about it? So what about it? He is the one who justifies. He is the one who transforms. He's the one that can change my heart. And I'm not there by any means, but what I'm seeing is that desires I used to have to wrestle against are just dissipating. They're just being, they're being re replaced with desires. I'm just starting to love His presence. To love His presence. To love His presence. You know, sometimes we start, and there's nothing wrong with doing things at the beginning out of duty. You know, when you first start to make your bed, it's not because you want to make your bed. It's because your mom said, make your bed. But as you mature, you realize a nicely made bed is nice to come into. A room that's clean, a bathroom that's clean, a, a kitchen that's orderly. These, you know, mom made me do these things, but now there's something in my nature that loves this. What is That's transformation. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We, want, we don't want to stop halfway. We don't want to stop halfway, Lord. We don't want to stop in that middle ground. We want to be changed.